the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And as I've shared with you before, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of other law degrees, including a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, one, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of my great master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the most beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experience, and my lifelong interest in business, money, and economics, and the role that these three key areas of economics uh, play in the roles of the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and, of course, taxation law. And as I've shared with you before, I'm also proud to say that sometimes in, in my overall practice, I have the opportunity to at least seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves uh, victims of all the pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that's running rampant in our country today. So uh, once again, I'm coming to you from my self-imposed exile. <laughs> that is to say, my voluntary lockdown from my makeshift studios in my home in another one of the world's world-class great cities. That is to say, my home in the beautiful city of Oakland. And I come to you to discuss some of the financial and legal issues that are confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances. And hopefully, I can at least provide you with an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified legal and or financial uh, professional help. And I do this because I've shared with you before, I believe that when you represent yourself in a legal matter, especially one dealing with your finances and your ability to keep your business going and the ability to keep a roof over you and your children's head, I think that, you know, it's you're taking a butter knife to a gunfight because 
your opponent, your adversary is going to hire a lawyer or he may or she may be a lawyer themselves. And as such, you with your little butter knife and then with their them packing legal knowledge about substantive law and also procedural law and how to you know, execute judgments and all the other stuff that you don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's going to cause you to see your righteous claims and valid defenses go up in smoke and see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I'll share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it. It's to discuss the law as it relates to your money and your finances or, or, or your ability to grow your business and save your business. And um, this, uh, this information, and more than likely the lack thereof, uh, that you need to consider, uh, you know, to keep your family and or your small business or your individual or your employees' financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being intact. I come to you to share this with you each week, uh, to share the knowledge that I have about this this area as I understand it in a non-threatening educational form. So we're coming up on what I consider to be a monumental election that's just a little over a week away uh, as this show is being broadcast. And I thought it might make sense to spend the next two sessions together looking at a few key races and a few key issues that impact our community, our communities, plural, as a whole. Now, all this show, all of the show is broadcast worldwide. Because I live in California, I don't know what's going on in your community, but I can. Sh- I'll try to share things that are going on here in California that may impact what you're doing wherever you live. And so I'm going to keep uh, my discussion of the initiatives and the races that might have some resonance with you. So today I'm going to discuss a key California proposition. Now, I'm going to talk about Proposition 15. There there are, you know, six or seven propositions, um, and they go from everything to um, stem cell research and um, a a bill about giving um, former, um, well, convicted felons who have uh, served their time and, and, and done whatever they need to do to get out of jail to, to let to restore their rights to vote. Now, these are all very important uh, propositions, and I urge you to read the official ballot before you go and uh, vote or before you mail in your vote. I'm, uh, I, I just finished um, completing my mail-in ballot. I take this very seriously. I, have, I am a permanent uh, mail-in ballot, and that's because uh, when I worked for um, employers and wasn't working for myself, I would always get time off from my employer, and I would actually man or woman a voting a, a voting area. I, I would be in charge of uh, a voting area, um, that is to say, a polling place. And um, so, I because I was there on election day, and I got up really early. 
because I have to be there at 5.30 or 6 to help things get set up. And then I'd have to be there until 8 p.m. Uh, to do the final, after 8 p.m. to do the final tallying. I didn't have time to go vote myself, so I would vote ahead of time and uh, mail in my ballot because the place that I manned or womaned was not my polling place. So I would um, uh, get a ballot and I would mail it in. And I've been doing that, you know, just about my whole life because actually the first time I was able to vote, I was married to a professional soldier and we were living in Germany. And um, so I was one of those people that had to uh, cast my ballot via the mail. And I have voted every single time since I have been able to vote, whether I'm in Germany or in the UK or in Japan or all over the United States or up in Alaska, I always vote. And I urge you to please, please vote because this election is so important. So getting back to Proposition 15, it's officially titled Increases Funding Source for Public Schools, Community Colleges, and Local Government Service by Changing Tax Assessment of Commercial and Industrial Property. And it's an, an initiative. Um, a yes vote on the measure means property taxes on most commercial properties worth more than $3 million would go up in order to provide new funding for local governments and schools. Now, a no vote on the measure means that property taxes on commercial properties would stay the same. Local governments and schools would not have a source of new funding. So, uh, so my source material comes from the California General Election November 3, 2020 official voter information guide that is a, and you can find it at the California Secretary of State's website, which is at www.voterguide.sos for Secretary of State.ca for California.gov forward slash propositions. So a, a bit of background here, uh, and this is from the official analysis provided by the legislative analyst. He or she says local government property taxes, California cities, counties, school and special districts such as fire protection district. I happen to live in one of those collect property taxes from property owners based on the value of their property. Property taxes raise around 65 billion with a B each year for those local governments. Overall, about 60 percent of property taxes go to cities, counties and special districts. The other 40 percent go to schools and community colleges. These shares, that is to say what they get in each uh, county, is different. Now, property um, includes land, buildings, machinery, and equipment. Uh, property taxes apply to many kinds of property. Land and buildings are taxed. Businesses also pay property tax on most of the things they own, such as their plant, uh, their machinery, their computers, and their furniture. And this is called business equipment. Now, how how things are calculated, um, they take the value of the property and they multiply it by the tax rate. Now, uh, taxable value on business equipment is based on how much it could sell for. So unlike buildings, business equipment is based on what it could sell for today, whereas land and uh, uh, improvements or buildings is based on the taxable value of its 
purchase original purchase price and its new purchase price. Okay. Now counties manage the property tax. County assessors determine the taxable value of property. County tax collectors bill property owners. County auditors distribute the tax revenue to local governments. Okay. Statewide counties spend about $800 million each year on these collection activities. So when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion of Proposition 15, which is, again, officially titled Increases Funding Sources for Public Schools, Community Colleges, Local Government Services by Changing Tax Assessment of Commercial Industrial Property. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of Proposition 15, which again is officially titled Increases Funding Sources for Public Schools, Community Colleges, and Local Government Services by Changing Tax Assessment of Commercial and Industrial pro- uh, Properties. So, uh, we share, you know, the overall background of it. Now, the proposal is that it would tax commercial and industrial land and building based on how much they could be sold for today. Not what they were recently bought for or acquired for, but what they could be sold for. The measure requires commercial and industrial, and, and it goes on to say here and after commercial, land and buildings to be taxed based on how much they could be sold for instead of their original purchase price. This change uh, is put into place over time starting in 2022. The change does not start before 2025 for properties used by California businesses that meet rules such as having 50 or fewer employees, that is to say small businesses. Now, housing, that's residential and agricultural lands to be taxed based on the original purchase price. So, Housing and agricultural land, its uh, way of taxation will not change under this proposition. Now, some lower-value properties will also not be tampered with. That is to say, if the property owner has $3 million or less worth in their commercial land building in California, and it's going to be adjusted for inflation every two years, these properties will continue to be taxed based on their original purchase price and not what they could be sold for. Now, reduced, and it's also going to have a provision that will reduce taxes on the business equipment. The measure reduces the taxable value of each business's equipment by $500,000 starting in 2024. So businesses with less than half a million dollars in equipment will pay no taxes on these items at all. All property tax based on business equipment are eliminated for California business that meet certain Rules that is to say, small businesses, they and here they're defined as businesses with 50 or fewer employees. So, what are the fiscal effects uh, according to the analysis? It's going to increase um, uh, most owners of commercial build, buildings where more than $3 million will pay higher property taxes. Only some of these property owners would start to pay higher taxes in 2022. By 2025, most of the property owners would pay higher taxes. And beginning in 2025, total property taxes from commercial land and building would probably be $8 billion to $12.5 billion higher 
in most years. The value of commercial property can change a lot from year to year. This means the amount of increased property taxes could also change from year to year. But it's going to decrease the taxes on business equipment, as I uh, shared with you before. Uh, it also will set aside money to pay for the cost of the measure. The measure set aside uh, for money for various costs created by the measure, because there's going to be more people that are going to be needed to do this assessment and the like. So it's going to set aside several hundreds millions of dollars per year for counties to pay for the increased uh, costs of carrying out this proposal. And so it's evidently they're thinking about what's going to happen. Uh, the new funding, again, will be used for schools and government, overall $6.5 billion to $11.5 billion per year in new property taxes will go to local governments. 60% will go to cities, counties, and special districts. Each county, uh, city, and special district share of the money will depend on several things, including the funds that are generated. Now, not all governments would be guaranteed any new money. Some in rural areas might end up losing money because there are going to be a lower tax base that used to generate money via business equipment taxes. The other 40% could uh, increase funding for schools and community colleges, it is believed. Now, here's what I'm putting out here for you to consider. Proposition 15 sounds great, right? new funding for local governments and schools, they sure do need the money. So I'm down with this concept, and I'm sure you are too. But here's the rub. Most commercial businesses are leased to and rented by small business owners. I'm talking about small businesses such as small a small law firm in Oakland run by the descendants of African slaves or a family-owned bicycle shop in San Francisco run by the descendants of Irish immigrants who migrated here nearly 200 years ago to escape the famine that starved a million people or a nail salon in Richmond, California, run by an immigrant from Vietnam who risked her life to support American troops during the war, or a small ethnic grocery store in San Jose, run by an immigrant family from Mexico, yearning for an opportunity for a better life in San Jose while sending a few dollars back each month to the family that still lives there, or a small computer repair company run by immigrants from Taiwan who are afraid that what's going on over there in that part of the world will cause them to no longer be free. Now, riddle me this, Batman. What do you think or who do you think is responsible for paying property taxes in a commercial lease for a small law office or a small bicycle shop or a small nail salon, etc.? It's not the property owner. It's the tenant because most commercial leases are what's known as triple net leases. Now, in sum, a triple net lease is a commercial lease agreement in which the tenant is responsible for three expenses in addition to her rent. She's responsible for business maintenance, property insurance, and property tax. So let, let's go into this a little bit deeper. Here's a kind of straightforward definition for a net lease that I found uh, in Wikipedia, one of the various um, dictionaries you can find on, on the Internet says, in the field of commercial real estate, especially in the United States, a net lease requires the tenant to pay, in addition to her rent, some or all of the property expenses that would normally be paid by the property owner. 
known as the landlord or the lessor. These include expenses such as property taxes, insurance, maintenance, repair, and operations, utilities, and other items. So I'm going to step out of this definition for a second. A commercial lease is kind of like a condominium um, situation where if you buy a piece of the air in a condominium unit, you and your fellow um, condominium homeowners, part of your association, you pay for those things. You pay for roof repairs. You pay for the insurance for the uh, common areas. And that all comes out of your uh, monthly payment. So you make your mortgage payment and then you make uh, your condominium association uh, dues and then you make your own personal insurance payment and, and the like. So a commercial lease is a way to for the building owner to be able to cover his or her expenses. And uh, again, these expenses include property tax, insurance, maintenance, repairs, operations, utilities, and all the other items that are related to keeping that building upright and heated and insured. Now, these uh, expenses are categorized into three nets, Pro- uh, property tax net, insurance net, and maintenance net. Now, in the U.S. parlance, a lease where all three of these expenses are paid by the tenant is known as the triple net lease or NNN lease or triple N lease for short. Sometimes it's written in a contract as NNN. So voting for this proposition, although its intent is solid, we're right. We need to come up with a way to uh, pay for expenses that are needed to run uh, state and local governments. Uh, but it might be that by voting for Proposition 15, it may result in a trickle down of the economic burden from the building owner to the small business owner. And as you know, our small business owners are having a horrible time uh, these days because of the pandemic. Many of them have shut down, but we're also, we're all hoping and praying that, you know, we'll get this pandemic under control and these businesses can come back to life and, you know, continue to employ the majority of uh, uh, of the people that work in our country. I, I shared with you before, most of the employment opportunities come from small business owners who put everything on the line with their savings and their family and their livelihood to start businesses. Well, they're hurting right now. Hopefully within the next, you know, six or seven months, they'll be able to get back into those businesses, open them up because we will have this pandemic under control and they'll be able to bring back their employees and have a source of revenue. But wouldn't it be a slap in the face for them to have an additional <laughs> burden? They're already paying triple net for the most part. But to see an enhancement to the property taxes that's going to flow down to them. Now, I got to say, even in those instances 
where the commercial building is used by the owner to house his or her own business, so big business, major corporations, you know, they surely have on staff the lawyers like me and accountants to help them figure out how to reduce or totally eliminate their Proposition 15 related new taxes. But I'm uh, not very many small mom and pop shop, uh, shops have uh, tax lawyers and CPAs on hand every day. Now, that's just some food for thought. So we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing, here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including laws that get enacted that may harm our financial position if we don't understand what's going on with the law and or we don't exercise our franchise on November 3rd, 2020. So till next time, we'll look at some of the key politicians running for office. I want you to please stay, take care, mask up, keep your distance, wash your hands. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.